0: Do
1: do, do. Do you remember the 91st night of September? (laughs) That's all I know of the song. (laughs) (laughs) Do do, 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 you remember? Yeah. You told me it was Earth, Wind & Fire Day. It is Earth, Wind & Fire Day because today is the 21st of September that we're recording this. And that's the the name they mentioned in their song. Their seminal, amazing, number one hit, September. Earth, Wind & Fire is a great band. This is before my time. It's before both of our times. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, great song. I love that song. My favorite. That was it. That's all there is to it. That's all she wrote. That's all they wrote. Sorry. I like how
2: you're like, I got to get on the right pitch for that
1: (laughs)
0: That's
1: pretty good yeah Uh, how's it going everybody you are watching slash listening to the command zone podcast i'm your host jimmy wong how's it it's josh lee kwai and we are in our new set today uh but we finally turned it around so you can see behind us before we just had the game nights logo behind us but this is actually i think my favorite part of the set yeah for sure and we've got a roaring waterfall yeah what uh what plane is this on i think it's ravnica I think it's the city nice. of guilds. The city sans jace. Because oh, I should shout out
2: uh, Balam Nahara. I hope I'm saying his name right. He did the animation on this
1: uh, cool thing behind us. So. Balam or Balam certainly oh, sounds, sounds like a, uh, a Planeswalker name as well. So thank you, Balam, for making that animation. Jeffrey does them as well, uh, but Balam stepped in for this one. So it's oh, yeah. Exciting. Jeffrey did the one for the last game nights and the one for the next game nights. Uh, Very exciting. Very exciting. Today on the show, we are talking about a fun topic. We don't do that. Is it fun? Uh, yeah, it's fun because I think it's, it's an gonna, annoying topic. It's going to start a lot of con- conversation. Uh, and it's the most annoying cards in EDH slash Commander. But before we get into it, this show brought to you by cardkingdom.com slash Command Zone. Here's their awesome logo. There's their awesome hat. Make sure you go there if you want to buy any of these annoying cards that we're going to talk about today, as well as any of the new Ixalon product. It's all there. It's shipped really fast. We keep getting tweets, even though I thought it was going to end at some point, but we keep getting tweets that are like, hey, I, just, I was in X country. I just ordered this and it came in three days. Amazing. That is amazing. 100% true. Card Kingdom is amazing. Also, Ultra Pro is amazing. We
2: keep getting tweets about the Eclipse Leaves. I know they're a little bit hard to find. People often kind of complain to us that they're hard (laughs) to find. But they're hard to find because they're awesome and everyone's grabbing them and gobbling them up as fast as possible. Um, If you have a chance to try out the Eclipse Leaves, I would highly recommend it. Big thanks to Ultra Pro for supporting the show. And the third way that you can support this show is directly at patreon.com slash Command Zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode,
1: and this episode is dedicated to Charles Charles Gray. Gray. Charles, you rock. It's a sunny day because it's the 21st of September. Never was a cloudy day. Charles Gray?
2: (laughs) I was like, how does that tie in? Gotcha. I don't know. Day Gray? I would like to
1: take a small moment to shout out all the patrons, though. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for being our... I I love reading the patron comments and the messages more than anything else uh, because it's, you know... Twitter, you get a 1,000 people talking to you. Reddit, it's a cesspool, but a good one. Uh, but Patreon's nice. You know, I, It's pr- personalized messages. I know so many people's names now as a result, too. It's great. I,
2: I will say that I make a marked effort to respond or acknowledge every single patron comment or anything from a patron because those are our most ardent supporters. You guys are really a huge reason why we're in this space, why we have this cool studio set, and why the channel has grown so much. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah. All right. Now let's talk commander. C-O-M-M-A-N-D-E-R. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I almost missed the last E.
2: <laughs> Let's talk about the most annoying cards in EDH. You know, there are some cards that just make us groan. Yep. They drive us crazy. Um, well, some that drive you
1: crazy. Some make me happy. That's, that's, that's true. the that's point true. Well, of this episode. You
2: know, and I, I think that's a really good point and a disclaimer we need to make, Um we're going to talk about a bunch of cards that we find annoying to play against. But that doesn't mean that we think they're mean, that we think people who play them are jerks, that we think they should be banned.
1: We should revisit that disclaimer when you get to your number one, but sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't think those people are mean or jerks. I, 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 I just don't like them. that card. I don't go. hate right, them, all right, right? All right? And I think that's an important um, association to make, which is that, you know, because it gets thrown around a lot. And I just wanted to say this where because somebody plays a card you don't like is not really justified for you to be... Like, not like that person. Yeah. Not like that card, sure, but that doesn't make them a bad person. The card's legal. They're allowed to play it. That's the format. Um, now, it should you can, not be
1: reflective of who they are as a person. Yeah,
2: exactly. Now, you can not want to play against that person on that deck. You can do whatever you find fun, but that doesn't mean that, like, I don't like Jimmy because he plays my number one most hated card. I like Jimmy a lot, clearly. We hang out all the time. He does play my most hated card.
1: Quite often, and yeah. different versions of it. Astute yeah. viewers will already know <laughs> what this number one is.
2: But I, but I do... <laughs> not attribute any of that to Jimmy the person. It's all in the game. Totally get it. It's all fun. That's part of what makes magic awesome is that you yes. have to sort of overcome these things that you don't quote unquote like.
1: Yeah. Um, and make, that kind of like wrote right here is really good. That kind of rhetoric is dangerous. Yeah. What does rhetoric mean?
2: Rhetoric is just the, the culture of talking about it in this case. Right. So the idea that a lot of people will be like this person, you know, oh, he played this card, he's a jerk, or if you want to right. be a jerk, play this card. I don't like that rhetoric because it makes it okay to think in those terms, which I don't agree with, which is to attribute certain personality types to a person because of a card they played in this game.
1: Yeah. Now, that's I would say that cards do, in a certain way, define the person. Like yeah, for your, sure. The, your commander is always indicative of what you like to do or how you build your deck, but you shouldn't take single cards out of context because a powerful card or a card that works really well in your deck or one that affects your meta in a very powerful way doesn't mean that you're a bad person just means you're playing to the meta sometimes. Yeah.
2: Or you might be playing a deck that I don't like, but that doesn't mean that it's you. It's just that's the way you like to play the game. Maybe we can't even play Magic together. It doesn't mean that you're a mean person. That's all I want to say. Okay. Enough of that. Off the soapbox. Let's talk about our most annoying
1: cards. I'm very excited.
2: Yeah. I'm going to go first. Oh, yeah. We don't have the computer here, so we're going to look them up there. Most of these, uh, I think we know what they do, but we might get the wording slightly off. But it's okay. Whatever. Bear with us here. My number five, we're each going to do top five, and mm-hmm. then we'll do some honorable mentions. My number five most annoying card for me is Torpor Orb. Torpor Orb. Torpor Orb is very simple. It just stops
1: enter the battlefield effects from creatures. Yep. It's a two-drop artifact. It, uh, you know, I think enter the battlefield effects was the first thing. That a lot of players go to is what I went to when it was like, "Wow, this really breaks the game if you can repeatedly do enter the battlefield effects." Or we're always taught that creatures that do something when they enter the battlefield are better than ones that don't, you know, because there's an impact on the board. You have your 187 creatures, the guys that kill someone that when they come in. So Torpor Orb stops. I would say if I had to get a percentage, like 40% of my deck's effectiveness across the entire board. Yeah, there's certain decks where it stops like
2: 90% of it. But like even decks that aren't built around that, there's going to be a lot of enter the battlefield effects on creatures just randomly in decks that aren't concentrating on that
1: i mean who doesn't put eternal witness in a green deck exactly that's like one of the best <laughs> end of the battlefield abilities there is
2: and another thing i don't like about torpor Orb, or that i find annoying is that it shuts off the way that i would get rid of it a lot of times so like right. a lot of the decks are like well i have reclamation sage or i have a six line yeah. or <laughs> those are my ways to deal with problematic artifacts well torpor orbs a p- problematic artifact that also protects itself from that yeah um I will say that Torpor Orb probably caused me to become a better deck builder. Right. Because I had to start going towards Cross and Grips and other things that, you know, I had to think about that when I was deck building and realize, like, well, what if somebody plays a Torpor Orb type effect? There's a few other cards that do it. Hushwing Griff. Mm-hmm. There's that new one. I forget what it's called from um, So, but i It's but, a dinosaur, it, I think. But Torpor <laughs> Orb is one of those
1: cards for sure when it hits the table. Like, yeah. People go, ugh. Well, it's interesting because it's not just the enter the battlefield effects on the creature. It doesn't cause abilities to trigger. So if you had a card like War Storm Surge or, you know. Oh, that's a really good point. any of the cards that are like when the creature enters the battlefield, X happens. Uh, Or shards. Yeah, or shards. Yeah, so it does actually affect a lot of stuff. That's true. It's not just enter the battlefield. That's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, card is really annoying though or shards is
2: another way that i would get rid of torpor but it won't work yeah that's really annoying. you know i
1: would have put aura shards on my list now that i think about it but i use it in so many of my own decks that i feel like it would be against my own like it's not annoying to play against if you play it all the time i feel like because that's then you, interesting because you're used to lo- some of
2: the cards on my, my list i do play i know they're annoying to play against but they're also so good that i'm like well i'm still gonna play it yeah it's a good point we'll get to those later yeah definitely okay What's um, your number
1: five? My number five is probably the one that I think comes to a lot of players' minds. It's the one that gets made fun of a lot, actually. It was on my honorable mentions. Yeah. It's Ristic Study. It's two in the blue. Uh, it basically is an enchantment that says every time someone casts a spell, you get to draw a card unless they pay an additional one generic mana for that spell. The thing about this is, is that we almost always are drawing cards off Ristic Study in our play group.
2: Well, I don't even think the fact that they're drawing cards is what's annoying, because the consecrated Sphinx is not as annoying. Sure. It probably draws you more cards, but it's this you going to pay one for that? you going to pay one for that? Uh, did
1: you pay the extra one for that? Yeah. You gonna, and you're
2: like, hold on. I'm still deciding some things. So yeah, exactly. I'll tell exactly.
1: you in a second. <laughs> I, you know, it's annoying to play well, against because also you are – Everything is Thalia. Everything costs one more essentially, and and you're looking at your hand like I could have done four things this turn. Now I can do two,
2: (laughs) or or you have to calculate. Or I can do the four things, but they'll draw four cards. Is that worth it? Yeah. Or I can do three and only draw three. Like what amount is worth it? So the calculations just start going. The other thing that's annoying about Ristic Study is the inevitability of this. It's like your turn. Yeah. And you're like, oh wait, Craig, whose turn is over already? And Jimmy's already drawn his card. Craig, wait, I forgot Ristic Study. Did you did you pay for it? (laughs) You know, or two turns two ago. Two turns ago. Yeah, yeah. it's just like... It just keeps know. going back. And it's fine. We we almost always
1: are like, yep, you can do that. Yeah.
2: You know, it's just slightly annoying to just break up the game all the time with those questions.
1: Yeah, it's kind of one of those things, too, where people very quickly forget it's on the table for whatever reason. Even the person that plays it, which <laughs> so, makes doesn't, so doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You're the one that has this incredibly powerful ability, and then everyone's like, oh... Well, okay. Oh, wait. Three turns happened? I was on my phone. I'm so sorry. Did everyone pay an extra one <laughs> yeah. for their spell? Uh,
2: okay, so I draw one, two, six. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, the thing is, too, a lot of times people, it'll happen to like Craig, to pay for one for it, and they look at their man base and goes, like, I do now. Yeah. Because <laughs> I forgot about it <laughs> until then. So it's kind of, yeah, it definitely breaks up the game. It's kind of like uh, Prof's weird uh, Venom Infect Cobra. The saber-tooth, sabertooth Cobra. Saber-tooth that I still don't understand. <laughs> it's like one of those things like, well, when are you going to do it? Do you, Don't forget, but no one's reminding you. If you're playing against Rhystic Sedian like Modo, it'll always have the ability prompt to pop you. up and yeah, and prompt you. But we don't have that in real life magic. So it just ends up being a very wordy card. You probably say more words with this card than anything else. And the words are always the same. Are you gonna pay one for that? Or did you pay one? Did you pay one? Are I you gonna pay, pay one? one? Can I draw right. a card? <laughs> Actually that's what I like asking. Can I can draw, I draw a, card? a card? Yeah. That's better than can I pay one. Yeah. Well I think if you say can I draw a card, it's gonna make the other player want to pay one more. Oh, because they understand, right? Instead of just being like, Oh, it's a tax on this thing, they they it associates...
2: Uh, that is really interesting. So maybe I so should I'm gonna stop asking that. am going to to say, yeah, yeah pay, are you going to pay one? Are you
1: going to pay the incredible extra amount of one mana, allowing you not to use your mana as efficiently as you want to this turn for that one spell? Is it worth it? <laughs> oh, God. If you said that every
2: time, then yeah. Yeah. Then you were a jerk just sitting. Um, <laughs> all right. Number four for me... Oh, gosh. This is, card
1: is annoying to play against.
2: And it might be more particular to our play group because we have one player that plays this kind of card and specifically this card a lot. It's Triumph of the Hordes. Yep. This is a sorcery that gives all of your creatures plus one, plus one, and infect, and
1: trample, right? Yeah, trample, infect, plus one, plus one, two G. Why GG. does it
2: have to give trample? Because it's a game winner. It's so cheap. You're cheap. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, it's cheap. It's two. It's four mana.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. For like like Craterof,
2: at least like that's a game winner. But it costs eight. Like yeah, You yeah. know, you did. Some, you got there. This is like very often turn five. I just kill you. Well, you, maybe not me. <laughs> the thing I mean, of, I've died many times before turn six to this card. Yeah. If people just feel like it
1: sometimes, I don't know. It's I got this those, card. I get
2: it off one player. Let's do it.
1: If you have a creature based deck and you're in green, there's almost no reason, I think, that you shouldn't run this card if you're in like a more competitive meta of sorts. Yeah. Or, or even just like you're having trouble killing people or getting people out of the game. Just play I mean, it doesn't Prime take much. Hearts. You
2: play like a mana dork into yeah. like some kind of three drop into some kind of four drop, and then you play this.
1: There's going to be someone You're that's going just going to die. Yeah. yeah.
2: There's almost always going to be somebody that just can't do anything and they die.
1: And because it's on a card that temporarily applies it to your creatures, people don't see the infect coming. It's, you know, four mana. People are like, oh, maybe he'll harmonize. Maybe she'll cast. Hedron archives.
2: Yeah. Or, you know, if they've got three creatures out, sure. Maybe they'll hit me for six, yeah. seven. And there's you always going to be out.
1: one person. I'm pretty sure, especially yeah. with Trample, there's going to be one unlucky soul yeah. that is just going to just get... can't do it. Maybe they
2: swung, but they weren't worried too much about. You swing because it was yeah. just regular damage. They uh, well, don't know.
1: well, it feels like my Marna Chesa deck. I would be swinging anyway because I'm like, Come, give me the damage, I don't want to be on the throat, yeah, true, but <laughs> not that so, kind of damage, yeah, not that kind of damage. This, this, uh, this one's dedicated to Craig Blanchett, just in case those who didn't know, you know I play it in a lot of my decks too, actually, yeah, no, I do too, I will say because though- of Craig, yeah. of course,
2: it's really good. That's why I was saying is like not all the the cards on my list are cards I don't play. I play Triumph for the Hordes in a lot of days,
1: <laughs> but it's annoying. <laughs> I find that it rarely works actually in the metas that I want to do it in because someone has some kind of like, okay, I'll take eight Infect and remove the one thing that's going to kill me. So well, I mean our
2: meta has shifted to have early blockers to be able to interact because of Craig. Yeah, so it it's sort of less good, but there's very often still a time when you can just kill it. Like, yep, I just can't remember ever having Triumph for the Hordes in my hand and ever thinking like oh this is no good it's always the, the <laughs> most calculations you're doing is like can i kill everyone
1: chances are
2: otherwise i'll just kill one person yeah pretty pretty good card all right you're number four
1: my number four <clears throat> is a card that you particularly love every time it comes out this i have to on read my it. honorable mentions too <laughs> i have to read this card like six times every time it comes out <laughs> because i just don't understand why it's so good <laughs> and it shuts down the entire game it's perplexing chimera four and a blue for an enchantment creature chimera it's a three three doesn't matter whenever an opponent casts a spell you may exchange control of perplexing chimera and that spell if you do you may choose new targets for the spell if the spell becomes a permanent you control that permanent so basically any spell that they cast you can say here you take the perplexing chimera and it's as though i just cast your spell instead so i steal the card from your hand but you get a three three and now you have the ability to steal the next spell if you are so inclined there's almost no spell in EDH I wouldn't exchange for a permit like if it was like a rampant growth maybe but like it really first of all you can abuse <sighs> it obviously with um rune, rune any flicker any effects. any kind of
2: flicker effects because you flicker it once they have it and then most of those effects say return it to owner's control at the next end step. Well, you're the owner of that card. Yeah. So it comes back onto your side of the
1: table. Well, what you do is when the Perplexing Chimera triggers on the stack. Well, actually, no. The, no, yeah, yeah. You, you have to flicker it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, if you cast the Flicker spell and they choose a different target for it. Yeah, that's So a good you point. have to do while the Perplexing Chimera is on the That's okay. Is, like, you still get the transition. Perplexing Chimera if they do that. Yeah. So you get it either way, right? Oh, if you're they right. steal your Flicker oh, spell. Oh, gosh, you're so right. So it's not that bad. Um, Unless they have a really good Flicker target. I right. have also
2: found that this card is pretty good even if you can't flicker it because it's just really hard to play against it yeah you're sitting there looking at all your cards and the eh decks aren't built with a bunch of cards that you don't care if your opponent gets them
1: yeah yeah it's true it's like oh i'm gonna use a removal spell on it it's like no actually they get to just use that removal spell on something else you get the chimera though
2: and then <laughs> now the whole game's weird because you can steal other people's spells. You know, and give them the Chimera. And usually if you have the Perplexing Chimera in your deck, you do have ways eventually to, like, flicker it or whatever. But plus, nobody can play the commander. Oh, man, I love this card. It's so great. But it's, it's a head-scratcher.
1: so annoying. Because every time it comes out, you're just sitting there and you look at your entire hand and go, like, I don't want anyone to have any of these. I'm just going to keep passing the turn until someone finds a way to kill it. <laughs>
2: I'm just going to do nothing. Like, board
1: wipes are really the yeah. real effective way against this, a card like that.
2: Yeah, because if you steal the board wipe with the Chimera, you're like, Still that's happens. my board wipe. It yeah. doesn't matter. Still wipe. Just Still do it. Does the do it for thing. the flavor. Yeah. All right. My number three is
1: Gaddick Teague. This is a Alex Kessler special.
2: This is a... And again, I play this in quite a few decks... Uh, if you're a creature-based deck, you probably want this in there if you can. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's green-white for Legendary Creature 2-2. It says non-creature spells with converted mana cost 4 or greater can't be cast. Hmm. Like Triumph of the Hordes? Like Triumph of the Hordes. And then non-creature... It also says non-creature spells with X in their mana cost can't be cast. So he's a non-creature <laughs> spell hater. Yeah, he's a hate bear Um, because he's a 2-2 for 2. Yeah. But he turns off... Man, a very high percentage of uh, your opponent's decks. Yeah. He just, and he turns off a lot of the stuff that would get rid of him.
1: Uh huh. And they're all non creature spells, too. Ugh. 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 So good. You know, I don't think the X thing comes up as much, but the no. fact that you can play him on two if he's your commander and build your deck to have low CMC spells. And a lot of creatures. A lot of creatures. Yeah. It, it's, he's a very good commander, I think. Um, He's a
2: finisher in a lot of creature decks, too, because you know you're always getting to that board state where you're just on the precipice of, like, if they wrath, mm-hmm. then I'm in huge trouble because I have to extend a certain amount to to be able to maybe win. Yeah, And so what can often happen is you get to that point, then you play Gaddock Teague as sort of you're like, okay, now you can't wrath because almost all wraths Ugh. cost more than four. There's a couple that don't. Toxic Deluge, one of the reasons it's really good, stuff like that. But in general, you just put a lockdown, no wraths. And now you're you know, you're not 100% safe, but you're very often very safe with your big board. So, it sort of, yeah, it locks down the board so no wraths can happen and that very often can seal the victory in those type of decks where it's like, I just really need to untap with all this stuff and then mm-hmm. I can win. Yeah. So, tea. but again, if you're in a in a uh, in a game, and you're not playing the Gaddic Teague, I don't know how many times it's hit the table and I've just looked at my hand and I have, like, seven, eight cards. <laughs> you and use I only anymore. have two that I can even play, you know? Mm-hmm. A lot of decks are just, like... Uh, and, you know, they're not going to get rid of Gaddock Teague, so I'm in that situation for a while.
1: Right. Yeah. Right.
2: Uh, yeah. But that card's annoying.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe it's in the deck I'm playing soon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's going
2: it. to be great in that deck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so... My number three is a card that this is actually one of the few cards that I play a few in a few different decks. You but play it I, in a lot of decks, yeah. I hate this card though when it's played against me. Oh well uh, certain decks can't beat this card. Yeah. Yeah. Certain decks just fold to it, especially Voltron decks. It is yeah. Grave Pact slash Dictate of Erebos. Now both of these are very similar. The only difference is that Grave Pact has slightly different wording, but they're both and enchantments. Different casting, costs. And different casting costs, and Dictate has flash. They're both enchantments. And they basically say whenever a creature you control dies, each other player sacrifices a creature. I think dictate says each opponent sacrifices a creature, so it's slightly different if you're doing like two of the giant or something. Oh, good point. Um, but <laughs> I invest a lot in my creatures. I think I'm I'm Craig taught me to be a creature based player. That was like the main thing that I started doing in the first because Kiki Jiki was my first commander. You know, creatures were always something that I uh, found myself attached to. So when <laughs> someone plays Grave Pact or Dictate of Erebos, it is. Just high time for all of your creatures to die. And even... Ugh, this actually happened in Game Nights.
2: Yeah, with the Harvester of Souls yeah, or whatever. Yeah.
1: And it was just like this weird domino
2: ping pong. It was pong. Butcher of Malakir that was killing oh, everyone. Yeah, and it, yeah, you're right. Butcher of Malakir. And it was just this weird ping pong ball thing, yeah. which happens with Grey Pact a lot, where it's like something dies, and because that dies, that kills something of yours, which makes everybody sacrifice a creature. And then you get this weird domino effect where ugh. sort of everything just goes. And usually the deck playing dictate and... Great pack wants
1: their stuff to die or it's good for their stuff to die. So it's just like doubly. Oh, yeah. It's just hard to attack them as well. It's hard to block because, you know, if they have a sack outlet out, then you just like sometimes I'll just start playing garbage creatures on top of my good ones because I know that I need that good creature to survive and hope that more than three creatures don't die by the time it gets back to my turn or whatever. Yeah. Which they almost
2: always have a plan for that. Usually when those cards come out, you're losing all your creatures.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: oh, it's so bad like if you're a Narset or one of these oh yeah Rafique, yeah exactly like, it's just very hard to beat those that card um I <clears throat> like it I play that in a lot of decks too
1: I do so far I play See. a
2: lot of these cards I don't play Torpor much or Triumph okay I'd play Triumph but not a lot yeah yeah All you right, definitely so play this next one to number two which is yeah I've stated I think before and I believe it's true that I've never k- successfully resolved this card and not won <laughs>
1: I'm pretty That's sure. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Because you, yeah. No, I don't think so. I even in. I remember the one time we did it in limited. Oh boy. Oh boy. In a game of conspiracy. <laughs> that was. Wait, you did it. You did it too, did yeah, you? Yeah, I did it once, but I remember there was a better one where
2: you did it. And you yeah. basically killed four of us, and I think we were all at pretty healthy life totals. Like, yeah. The card is
1: expropriate. It's absurd. Yeah. So it's, it's an... potentially the best vote card ever made.
2: I think by far it is um i mean it's nine mana so you have to get to the point to
1: cast it right it's seven blue blue and uh, but hey when you do it you win the game i mean
2: it doesn't say win the game and it feels like the analogs to other cards are there and those cards like blatant thievery don't always win you the game and yet somehow this wins you the game so it uh is seven blue blue for a sorcery it has council's dilemma dilemma that just means it's a vote card but it's from conspiracy Two. so it says
1: table's dilemma
2: Right, there are two kinds of vote cards. One is everybody votes and whatever wins happens. The other one, and this is from Conspiracy 2, and this is how this works, everybody's vote sort of tallies on each category, and then that each thing happens that many times. Yeah. So you either vote, you get an extra turn, that the player who casts Expropriate gets an extra turn, or gain control of one of my permanents. So the person who plays Expropriate always votes, first. votes for extra turn. Because they already have control of their permanents. So they don't need to get control of one of their permanents. Yeah. So you always get one extra turn. And then it goes to the next player. Let's say it's Megan. And she either gives me one of her permanents. And I get to choose which permanent. Yeah. It's yep. not like she gets to choose. Or an extra turn. Then it goes to Maria. She makes the same choice. Then it goes to Jimmy. He makes the same choice. So what happens is you either blatant thievery plus extra turn. Which means take one thing from everybody. Their best thing. And then get an extra turn. To then use the best things that you just took. Yep. Or you get more than one extra turn. Yep. By the way, Time Stretch costs 10 mana gives you 2 extra turns. So you're if you own, get yeah. if you get one extra extra turn, you're already getting a good rate on 2 extra turns
1: plus yeah. the other two people still give you stuff. It's just it's just really good. And most times I think people do make the mistake of yes. giving people an extra turn. You should almost always give them a permanent. Never give an extra turn. Give them a permanent every time. Now you
2: may lose some good stuff and you may lose that game but you will always lose if they get two extra turns so there's no way you win a game where they've got nine mana available to them they cast expropriate and you just gave them two extra
1: turns yeah because they're already getting a permanent probably and mm-hmm. two extra turns even if they get even the one extra turn can sometimes be enough but i think people are usually very precious about the permanents and the first few times i was like you're not taking my best card and i was like yeah. oh wait but i just lost the game so it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah this card is broken yeah. yeah. Yeah, five mana is about the average price for an extra turn in EDH. Um, yeah with time warp, not time stretch. And And time stretch is already like one a card that could go on this list.
2: Just getting two extra turns for one card is yeah. so good. Yeah. Very, very powerful. All right, you're number two. I just Who think. does number two work for? <laughs>
1: Who does number two work for? This is a card that also we played against recently on game night, and boy, it, it really made things hard to live. It's uh, similar to Ristic in some ways, too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I guess. Mm. Except, in that you have to keep reminding people that it's there.
1: Yeah. It's called Blind Obedience. One in the white for an enchantment. It has Extort on it, so it says whenever you cast a spell, you can pay either white or black hybrid mana. If you do, each opponent loses one life, and you gain that much life. So in a four-player game, you're draining everyone for one, and you gain three. The big thing is that it says artifacts and creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. Artifacts and creatures. If you go back to the game nights where Mel played this in the Commander Twenty Seventeen precons, I like I think I had to play a giant mana rock. Yeah, yeah. I played play like dream a stone, Dreamstone Hedron. Hedr- yeah, f- tapped. So worst then the turn. thing ever. Like I had, to, I, if that card wasn't there, I'd been able to play three more cards off of that Dreamstone Hedron. But because of that, and it's and it's also like, hey, you need to play a blocker this turn. It's like, nah, you're not going to. It's going to come in tapped. Hey, you need to you want to have an activated ability or something on a Haze creature. It's just not gonna happen. Plus the extort. And they get to extort. The extort is actually sneaky good because
2: for one mana, they're gaining three life and dealing one damage to everybody. The one damage is not as much as the three life. Because if they cast it's two still spells, that's a six that's point six... life total, yeah. Yeah. But if they cast two spells, a lot of times, you know, gain six life. That's just every turn and you're slowed down so it's not like you can get to them fast yeah
1: you're really slowed down yeah i've seen people unload their hands on the board being like all right past turn next turn mm-hmm. though yeah and then it just never comes back around or someone board wipes or does something so it puts everyone in a really precarious situation as well as just being super powerful
2: it also does that risk t- study thing where you're like oh yeah um that's supposed to be tapped yeah those two things should be tapped. that's and what, and what
1: really up. annoys me is because you just <laughs> look at your board and you look at your mana rocks and they are just useless yeah <laughs> Ugh. And you can play it as early as turn, too. And it's only your opponent's. Ugh. On to our number ones. Your number one. It, this is a
2: surprise to no one, right? Like, I thought about even disallowing it because I, I it was like, well, this is going to be
1: like... there's, there's Oh, like no, Soul Rig on the top tier. Yeah, batches. there's no
2: suspense here. Like, you know what yeah. my number one is. But in case you don't, it's Blood Moon. Yay. And the gap between Blood Moon and all the other post 9 cards is ginormous. Blood Moon, <laughs> Blood Moon, I have been annoyed by since it came out. Since the dark, right? Is that
1: when it came Yeah, out? the, the dark? dark, yeah.
2: Since the dark. I have disliked it because I always like playing dual lands and fancy lands,
1: and I always like playing a lot of colors. Not even just fancy lands, just regular non-basic lands, which are in every single EDH deck, unless they're two color or one color, essentially. Even it's, then, there's a ton. Uh, it's brutal. So in case you don't know, Blood Moon is an enchantment. It says non-basic
2: lands are mountains. Darn right they are. They're mountains. They're beautiful mountains. Let's take a trip to those mountains. There's a whole lot of reasons that I dislike this card. Maybe they're covered in snow. Uh, One is it's like one card with a pretty unique effect. And a lot of people will point to ruinations and other sort of land hate cards. But those aren't perpetual effects. So like ruination comes out, blows away my lands. It's not really that different than Armageddon. It's a little better because it can be one-sided. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. next turn I can play a land. I can start to do stuff. Blood Moon locks you a lot of times into I can't do anything Yeah, because... You know, maybe I'm in a five-color or four-color deck, and in those, which I usually am playing, and in those, I might only have two or three basic lands in the entire deck, Mm -hmm. if that, sometimes zero. And it turns them to red. Red is the color that can't get rid of enchantments.
1: Yeah, red is also the least played color in Commander, I think. So even if you did, you know, around... Even my five-color decks maybe have six red
2: cards. Yeah, exactly.
1: And they're probably mixed with other colors, too. It's
2: like Vandal Blast. Like, that doesn't do anything against Blood Moon. I need specifically Chaos Warp. Yeah. To get rid of the Blood Moon. Because, or a
1: Scour from Existence, which is a colorless spell. Yeah, which I'm not
2: <laughs> putting in a ton of decks. Because that's the other thing. Because Blood Moon is just one card. Like, it, if there was a bunch of cards that did exactly what Blood Moon does. Yeah. And I know there's, like, Magus of the Moon and there's a couple other ones. But getting rid of her creatures. Like, if there are a bunch of enchantments that sort of, I don't know, copied that effect. Then I could build my decks because I know I'm going to run into it more. Right. But because it's really hit and miss. Like, Jimmy, you ha- you play it.
1: But you play it, in like, two of your decks. I don't... I'm not going to build my deck. to. Yeah, your deck has to be built to to make sure it doesn't get screwed over by it, too.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, you're going to play one of your 12 decks. If you play one of the two with Blood Moon, you have to draw Blood Moon and play it in that game, which that percentage is so low. I'm just not going to put six cards into my deck just to beat that card. Yeah. So it's just like when it happens, it feels like, well, I'm. I'm locked out of the game. I can't do anything, but I'm still not going to do anything different in the future because just percentage-wise, it's not worth it. Well, that's why I play
1: Magus of the Moon, so the percentage is higher. At least that's a creature. Like It's a
2: lot easier to get rid of the creature, especially with red mana. The the fact that it's an enchantment and it turned your stuff to red specifically, which is the color that cannot deal with enchantments, is really... Also, color identity and Commander really hurts you because otherwise you could put Chaos Warp into your... Decks that didn't have red just mm-hmm. as a way to get out of that situation, but you can't because you're not allowed to have red unless your commander has red in it. All right, I hate this card.
1: The Blood Moon rises again, Josh. But again, I still like Jimmy. He's still pretty cool. He's all right. I guess the best decks equipped to handle this, you just have to play less non basics.
2: Yeah, and you have to sort of make sure that you fetch, you know. A, a non-basic like forest or Right, don't know it's to grab a dual land
1: or whatever. Yeah,
2: so that you can play your Crows and Grips or your uh, Reclamation Sage or does yeah. Reclamation Sage does artifacts and enchantments right? Yeah, yeah, yes. some or of those only do artifacts. Yes. Or so on and so
1: forth. Oftentimes, that is how it gets <clears throat> taken care of, which is just someone has a Rex Sage or an Acidic Slime, and because they're green, they've been you know playing rampant growths and stuff, so they have the Nev's out Disc there. is another card I actually put
2: in a lot of my five color decks, just as like some way to get out of Blood Moon if it happens to happen, and it's good enough yeah. when Blood Moon's not played that it's still a good card. So, still, don't like it. Don't like it one.
1: Uh, have you noticed a lot of these are enchantments? Yeah. Because yeah. enchantments
2: are the hardest thing to get rid of. And they and stick it, around. Yeah, they anything that around. happens once can't be that annoying. Yeah, you know, perpetual it's just like,
1: artifacts and enchantments. Anything where you're like, wait, i got to remember that every turn. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh, no thanks.
2: All right, what's your number one? My
1: <laughs> number one is a card that you introduced me to. It was one of the least favorite games of Magic i probably ever played afterwards. <laughs> that card is Humility. Humility is an enchantment, again. Two white, white, and it just says... All creatures lose all abilities and have base power and toughness
2: 1-1. Listen, this is really simple, although the card, like, tends to... Like, people have a lot of questions once in play. Yeah. but the,
1: Can this happen? Can this happen? No. The no. answer is always no.
2: <laughs> the answer is no. It's not... It's a 1-1
1: with no abilities. There's no point in time where it's not a 1-1 with no abilities. It comes in. It's just a 1-1 yep. for sometimes six. Yep. Uh, it's a 1-1 for five mana. The problem with this is that it is... Again, I play creature-based decks. I have a lot of enter the Battlefield effects. This is like, it combines Torpor Orb, what it does, and it also adds on the whole, your creatures are just tiny. So you're paying, you're not even getting like a good body off it. Like sometimes you're getting, like you're paying for a five mana, five, five, or whatever. This time you're just always paying for a one, one, no matter what.
2: Yeah, at least with Torpor Orb, and Torpor Orb's bad, don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of times where you can be like, well, I'm just going to attack you with my stuff, right? Yeah. Like, hey, there's still three threes and four fours. Like you can't just, but humility even kind of stops that.
1: Yeah, and then it makes everything trade with everything else because they're all one ones. Yeah, it's
2: it's a pretty brutal card. Yeah, I would suggest putting it in
1: all your decks if you have, say,
2: if you're around eight creatures or less. Yeah. And you're in white. You should probably have humility in there.
1: Uh, and then you combine this with Aether Flash. <laughs> that's why that game Which is an enchantment insane. that does two damage to a creature when it enters the battlefield. I, th- I think that's what it is. So basically, anytime you played a card, you just died immediately.
2: <laughs> that's really what put that game into the realm of like super annoying. Yeah. And you notice I didn't really play that deck after that because that's sort of what it did. And it wasn't that fun because it was like four hours.
1: Yeah, well, everyone was just like, as soon as we can get rid of this Humility, it's fine. It's like, no, now we got to get rid of this ether flash too. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're just this, this game is going to last forever. <laughs> so Humility, definitely at the top of my list. It just shuts down too many of my decks. And I like my creatures. You know, I, very, I have very few Mizzix-esque decks. Right, with not... And even then, Mizzix gets destroyed by Humility, but at least you have powerful spells.
2: And you have the ability to just maybe capsize the stuff. Yeah, like exactly. You yeah. have
1: other ways of, of, of dealing with it. But yeah, Humility, what a card.
2: What a card. Okay, so those are our top five, our personal most annoying cards in EDH. But we have a few honorable mentions. Stuff that, um, you know, I don't know if mine are even the next on my list, but they were ones that I was considering. Yeah, they're so up there. my top honorable mention is Winter Orb. Players. This is, this is a classic. Players can only untap one land.
1: As long as Winter Orb is untapped. Oh, which yeah. Is that's random... actually
2: something that comes up from time to time. So if you can tap... Your own winter orb, you can tap it on the instep before your turn, and then all your stuff will untap,
1: including the winter orb. Yeah, <laughs> and then
2: everybody else. So, that's a really good, like, another reason why Fate Stitcher is awesome. Um, yeah, it
1: locks stuff down.
2: Yeah. But when somebody else plays winter orb, you're just like going at like. And a lot of times I've noticed, and listen, I'm not calling these people mean or jerk or anything because sometimes their deck is set up to take advantage, like they got planeswalkers or whatever. Yeah, they play winter orb and they're not doing the tap it thing. They're just literally fine with everybody else not and yeah. themselves not being able to cast stuff because they're like, well. Then I tick up all my planeswalkers. I have two or whatever. I'm just getting value while everybody else oh, is. Oh, yeah. Slowly. It's
1: really good in planeswalker decks. Yeah. But you it's think-
2: slow. So it's just like, okay, untap one land, go, untap one land, go, untap one land, go. And then somebody goes, okay, I'm going to tick up Jace. I'm <laughs> going to tick up blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tick up this. Okay, go.
1: Yeah. Untap one land, untap one land, untap one land. Okay, I'm gonna Or they're up, playing it. cards like Treachery. <laughs> yeah. So you just get their mana back. Um, the thing that's really interesting about this card is that Fate Sister can tap it. Yeah. And untap it. So if you do have a tap ability, that's, that's what you can kind of get someone be like, haha, I tap your thing back down, but, or I untap your thing cause you tapped it, but it doesn't really matter.
2: I told that story about how we, I was playing with some guys and uh, somebody played winter orb, but I was playing my Tim deck. So I actually had control of it. I ah. could tap and untap it. And so I was just making it so everybody except the winner Orb player got to wow top their stuff, which was pretty brutal. So that is brutal. Don't but I felt totally Josh. fine because they played Winter orb, so they got they got to deal with the consequence. They did so deal, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> my top honorable mention is Cyclonic Rift, because if you know that if you know that someone has it and they have seven mana, it's almost like playing not like not playing into a board wipe, but even more intense because you don't even want to play your mana rocks. You don't want to play anything really until you can find a way to make them bust it and use it but it's such a huge board wipe and it's such a blowout because it's like oh use your nev's disc it's like okay it's gonna blow everything up but in this case it's like oh this is a one-sided board clean
2: yeah it's not their stuff the fact that it's one-sided is
1: and that it's instant i think those are the two
2: things yeah if it was sorcery speed it would still be awesome because it doesn't hit your own stuff but it would be much less good um and the game doesn't give us a good way to deal with mass bounce so, right. you know, you, there's protection, like give your stuff indestructible. There's face reward stuff to get mm-hmm. it back out once it's gone to the graveyard. There's nothing... They need to design a card that says, you know, it's like one in a white or one in a hybrid white-green that says... That's um, an incident and says, if a, if a spell or effect an opponent controls... Would return the Return permanent... Any number of permanents to your hand this turn, put those back on the battlefield. You know, something that punishes mass bounce because there's nothing right now that protects you from it
1: yeah other than like counter giving spell. it yeah counter spell you can't even give yourself hex proof because nope. it's an, it's, a, it's just such a powerful card and knowing that someone has it because usually you'll see them tutor it to the top with a mystical tutor or even if like any i would say 80 percent of the time i went demonic tutor in the deck that has cyclonic rift i get cyclonic rift yeah it's that or toxic deluge honestly
2: yeah i mean unless you're already ahead and you're getting crater hoof or some game winning right. card so you're either winning. Or stopping somebody else from winning.
1: Yeah, that's the big thing. Is that like haha, I did everything right. I prepared for everything except I cannot stop. I cyclonic rift overloaded. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Seven mana for that effect is just absurd.
2: It's instant. It's instant. Yeah, it's an instant. It's brutal.
1: I hate it. Yeah. Um,
2: but it is very good, and I put it on every deck that has blue, and you should too. You should too. <laughs> uh my next one is Iona Shield of Amiria. Iona is I'm not even gonna tell say her casting toxic. She's a huge angel, but what she really says is when she uh when you cast her, by the way, it's when you cast her, right?
1: Uh as she enters the battlefield. Okay, oh sorry,
2: as she enters the battlefield. Yeah. You choose a color. And then spells of that
1: color cannot be cast. Yeah, your opponents your opponents can't yeah, cast spells. Sorry, of the your color. opponents. So you could you choose. You still can.
2: You could choose white.
1: Yeah. And be A-okay. Yeah, you definitely don't like this card at all um it's I, kind of
2: blood moon-esque it can turn off your ability to get rid of it yeah that's what i don't like about it
1: against a monocolor deck it is just lights out yeah if, if they're
2: playing mono black and you name black they literally can't do anything I, again scour from existence which yeah if these cards are popping up a lot in your meta that's kind of your answer scour from existence and nev's disc but uh, they don't pop up enough to build your decks to beat them like just yeah. like blood moon yeah yeah so you just kind of take your lumps when they happen. I remember I was playing in an LGS and some guy came up and he was like, "Are you Josh Lee Kwai from Game Night?" Oh, I remember. I yeah, yeah. This is and the I next was like, gen. "He's like, can I play uh, Commander?" Sure, sure. Like turn, he managed to like turn five Iona
1: me. And you were playing? I was playing Mono Green, <laughs> Titania, and I was like, "Okay, I mean, you win." I remember wa- walking by the table, looking at it and go, "Ooh, <laughs> I mean, you got me. you got me. That's Commander for like you. I'm
2: playing Green. I could do literally Mono Green. Like, what's your answer to Iona? Yeah, you can counter it. And once it's out, you can't cast any spells. So
1: it's literally like, do you have Scour from Existence in your deck? And did yeah. you happen to draw it? You're just playing Drago. Yeah. It's a 9-mana 7-7 seven, seven flyer. So that, that of course, 9-mana, like, expropriate status, insurrection. We it's talked not about as this good as Ramos. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this on the Ramos episode. But 9-mana is, like, end-the-game cards.
2: I, and I, I would like it better if it just said, you know, destroy target player or whatever. <laughs> because... <laughs> I you know, sometimes you still gotta sit there and wait for them to kill you. yeah, and again, I don't think those people are jerks or anything. I just I'm just like, yeah, yeah, true. you know, you got my monocolor, like I'm done. I don't, I don't know what am I supposed to do? Can I go?
1: You can't. <laughs> all right, my uh, honorable mention, another honorable mention is a card that I play in every single deck of mine. It's Vidalcan Orrery. you know this,
2: I think when we started this
1: show, I don't even think isn't it on our top ten artifacts back in Like, that was like our... I really hope so. One of our first 10 episodes... Please don't look, viewers. I don't think it was. We could check right now. Okay. But keep talking about this card while I check.
2: So, Vidalcan Ori is a four-mana artifact, and it says you can cast uh, all your spells at flash speed. So, basically, all your spells are are instant speed now. And Jimmy and I both have sort of slowly come around over the course of doing the show uh, over the last three years in that Vidalcan Ori literally goes in every single deck... Mm-hmm. It's as ubiquitous as Soul Ring. In fact, if I were to say, I think I have Vidalcanorian more decks than I have Sensei's Divining Top in. Wow. It's just so good. And there are points in the game where it's bad, where it's hard to just pay four mana and do nothing. But if you can ever get it out, you're in such a great position because you basically control where you sit at the table and it gives virtual haste to everything. It just has, we didn't, did we? It's not on there. So that just shows, right? So,
1: <laughs> what episode number was this? This was episode number thirteen. It so, was also when we broke down your five color Nekasar deck.
2: Okay, so we're talking. Uh, what's the date on it?
1: Uh, the date is September thirtieth, two thousand fourteen. Wow, so We've almost passed three years on this.
2: So that's exactly three years from this episode, right?
1: Yeah, because it's coming out on the twenty. The 20 I don't know, eighth or
2: something.
1: Yeah, it's to be on twenty-six. So that's almost three years to the date, four days. So 3 years ago
2: we did our top 10 artifacts episode. We each listed our top 10 artifacts and Vidalcan Ori is on neither of our lists. Wow. And now I would say it's like number 2 or 3 probably for both of us.
1: Yeah. I mean, I We outlawed Soul Ring on that list too, by the way. Yeah. The the reason also it's really annoying is that it gives every deck blue. Yeah. In a lot of ways or it gives yeah. every deck flash. Yeah. And the fact that like a lot of decks just don't ha- A lot of colors don't have access to that ability, and it turns every sorcery into a fl- into an instant. It turns every creature, every artifact, every enchantment. It's, it's, it's absurdly ridiculous. powerful. It's just you may cast spells as though they had flash. It's a four drop, and this is the card that's also slowly on the rise price-wise. So I don't know Probably if we... Probably partially
2: because we always talk about it.
1: I mean, maybe. It, the thing is, too, like, it is innocuous when you don't <clears throat> think about it, about the fact that it does work in every deck, and it makes every deck so much better. Giving cards flash is absurd. There are certain cards where they
2: just shouldn't have flash because of the what they do. Yeah, exactly. It's just like broken when you could do it whenever you want.
1: Yeah, pretty intense. Yeah, so Vidalkanori, very annoying to play against because now everyone just goes Drago. And you don't know what to play around anymore. You don't know, oh, that person tapped out so I can do X. It's the turn order changes, essentially. Well, and
2: the, the end step before their turn becomes very, you can't prepare for anything so they can do anything right then and then follow it up with a play that they wouldn't yeah. have even a board weapon instant speed yep. like wrath of god and instant <clears throat> speed is incredible a million times better because you wrath of god at instant speed at the end set before your turn and now you're the first one to repopulate tap. the board rather yeah. than the last one yeah i know a lot of competitive edh players are probably shaking their head because i know they don't tend to like fidelkin ori because when you're comboing off you usually can't just pay four mana and do nothing
1: right it's also a one-on-one format in competitive edh so it's a lot worse i think well cdh than, is often one-on-one but not always Yeah. but yeah 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 so yeah but anyway but
2: i can, i yeah. agree with you now there's one card neither of us put on our list but i do want to talk about here mm-hmm. um it's well we mentioned it. it's sensei's divining top divine away i would say most people would probably put this in their top five we hear from online anyway a lot of people complaining about it because i think it's similar to the ristic study problem of, yeah like do you want to pay one for that you want to pay one for that people are I don't know if this actually happens a lot because I've never really seen it happen much, but I guess it does because people complain about it. Or I hear it all the time. Yeah, they hear about other people doing it and they just imagine that that's a problem with it, It, which is that oh, people go okay, I top. They look at the top three cards. They think about it. You got to sit there and wait till they do it. They reorder it. Then they do it, and then they can do it again, 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 as different things happen. But I haven't. That just hasn't been something that we've seen happen very much, and maybe it's just our play group.
1: It, i think it's our play group i think it's a little over hyped about how bad it is because i think if you're if you listen to our episode which is how to play faster you would just you know i play top i pass the turn to josh it's gonna go josh megan maria back to me i just go maria on your end step i'm gonna top if anything changes in between then
2: i reserve the right I reserve to sort of the right change to my yeah. decision
1: but like i'm just doing this so that like you know and like I'm going to do it now because 90% of the time, nothing will happen. It also gives you a lot more time to do it as well. That's the thing I think annoys people about, which is someone tops and everyone's sitting there waiting for it. So now you have three turn cycles to do it. And yeah, sure, having a little extra time is quote-unquote cheating a little bit. But I usually top and I look at it, I'm like, all right. And like by the time Josh is halfway through his turn, I figured it out. I just put them back on top. And if something drastic changes where I need to make sure that, oh, shoot, you know what, because Maria did something on her end step or on her turn that I need to switch the order of these, I'll do it. But it's not like I wasn't going to make that decision anyway. So I'm not really cheating. I'm just giving myself and I'm more just trying to save time. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to save time for the rest of the table as opposed to giving myself more time to decide. Because it's really not that difficult. It's not like you're scrying stuff to the bottom. You're just reorganizing the top three. I can understand if it's like, okay, I need to tap the the thing to draw a card to do all this stuff, then there's a little more complication with top there. But otherwise, just it's like Mary's guy. You're just reorganizing the top three cards of your library.
2: It's really like how you deal with the instant speed tutors a lot of time, like Enlightened Tutor or Vampiric Tutor, which is I, I hope people do this. We usually are like, Okay, you go, I'm passing the turn. I'm gonna Vampiric Tutor on the end step before my turn. I'm just gonna go get that card now and put it on top. And if something somebody does in the meantime changes that, then or I'll reserve my the deck right deck or does whatever. Yeah. yeah it's I'll like, reserve the right to, you know, change it because I really did it on the end step before my turn. I'm just saving time. And yeah, you know, our playgroup and and whenever we play the GPs or other LGSs, people have always been like, Yeah, do that. Save us time. So so. Anyway, but top, I can see how it could be annoying in theory. I just don't see that very often.
1: Yeah. All right. All right. There you go. That was like 15 cards that we think are super annoying in EDH. Uh, and yet we still play many them anyway. <laughs> we still play them anyway. Well, I hope you don't play Humility anymore.
2: I um No, I don't think I have it in any active decks. Sweet. I'm not saying that it won't come in at some point.
1: Well, yeah, I can't make that promise. For There's Blood that new Moon, sort so. of
2: almost Humility from uh, Ether Revolt. What's that card called? Where you, but it only targets one player, but it sort of Humility. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, But it costs yeah, yeah. like a bunch more mana. It's things.
1: not ether Revolt. It's from Hour of Devastation. Hour of Devastation. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's like either. an eight mana target player. All their creatures lose their abilities become one it's ones. It's way worse. I'm just yeah. saying, I could have two Humilities in my deck, Timmy, so, oh, so be careful with those Blood Moons. You could moons. double up on That's someone. Well, I, I have two Blood Moons. Magus of the Moon, let's go. I have
2: zero of your most number one card.
1: Just I have zero of Humility in my decks. So. <laughs>
2: it's unrelated and i have
1: (laughs) two blood moons in two decks
2: let me look okay so you've got ristic study i have it in every deck yep perplexing chimera i have it in one deck grave pack dictate i have it in one or two decks mind obedience one or two decks humility zero
1: okay torpor orb zero expropriate one or two i think maybe two gadic teague zero triumph of the hordes maybe two blood moon they're on all my decks even if they don't run red no i'd say blood moons in two decks so you're right okay okay i have okay. more That's of pretty, your you
2: know what it seems pretty fair yeah it's not like you're any of us is like stacking up on me i'll trade
1: of... you i'll take blood moon out of all of my decks if you take all of your top five out of what? all of your decks yeah no all of my t- yeah all absolutely of them. not okay i'll just do it just for grave pact bland obedience and humility my top three what do you mean as in, you have to take Great Pact Direct Dictative Airbus, Blind Obedience, and Humility out of all your decks, and I'll take Blood Moon and Magus of the Moon out of all mine. Hmm.
2: I'll think about it. Ooh. <laughs> I only have a couple decks with Dictate and, and Great Pact, and Blind Obedience has enough analogs that I could play something else that does a similar
1: thing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I'm going to play the Wish card and get Blood Moon out of my sideboard. <laughs> but I Gotcha! <laughs> I didn't have it in my deck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Letter of the law. <laughs> didn't think you saw that one coming, huh? I
2: would have mad respect for that, actually. If played, like, I played glittering going, wish or whatever, you got yeah. Me, you got yeah. Me. Oh man,
1: those wish cards. I still don't understand them. I'm like, I can't play with a sideboard in EDH. It's too much. <laughs> All
2: right, time for to the listeners. What are your most annoying cards in EDH to play against? And yeah. do you also? simultaneously play those cards
1: like we do. <laughs> I would also like to know if your experience with Top is different than the one that we described, if your the reason that you dislike it is for something entirely different. I would be very interested to know. So
2: Seems that a lot of people dislike that card. All right. If you want to buy any of these awesome cards... And not play it against us. Besides Blood Moon, don't buy that one because uh, the world does not need more Blood Moons Just decks. got
1: reprinted, though, just saying.
2: I would highly... Um, suggest expropriate as a card you probably want to go pick up if you want yeah. to win
1: more games uh that that card seems good yeah Vidalcan Orrery. if you can find it uh anywhere that's not the price is definitely i think doubled now in the past like six or seven months so if yeah, you can find some stores or it, it, actually you could just find one place for all these cards
2: it's cardkingdom.com slash command zone if you use that affiliate link you are Helping us keep the lights on, helping us do cool things like build this set and bring in awesome guests for game nights and for this podcast, we really do appreciate you using that affiliate link. Uh, and our other amazing sponsor is Ultra Pro. Whoop! So while you're at Card Kingdom, you can buy some sweet Eclipse sleeves. Yeah, of those heavy, if they're in stock. Yeah, they're not gotta always pay attention. Yeah. Um, and and anywhere you buy Ultra Pro products is going to be great for uh, helping to support the Command Zone and game nights. Um, you know, obviously if you go to Card Kingdom and use the affiliate link, that sort of doubles your double dipping, and that's great. But you don't have to. Yeah, Eclipse sleeves. Heavy metal dice, those gravity dice. Gravity dice sweet. Yeah, I get a lot of compliments whenever I, I pull those out. Um... You know, uh, Cassius Marsh is a big fan of the Gravity Dice. When, in fact, I had to give him one of mine because he was so in love with it. I was like, "You can have it." <laughs> yeah. So
1: I will say this too: that Card Kingdom, because I was just talking about price hikes and stuff. They are very they one hundred percent honor the price they put on their page. And there have been a lot of shady sellers on different websites that, when like someone buys, for instance, like Hazard the uh, the Fervent was yeah. a card that spiked after it spiked the during pro tour. the Pro Tour during so the like Pro in tour. The middle of it. Yeah. So uh, oftentimes you'll see these stories where people say, that, "I bought four copies off of this seller on this website." And then they came back to me and canceled my order because the price had you know doubled or tripled, and that seller didn't want to lose those profits. Card Kingdom will never ever do that. I actually bought a ton of Teferi's Protection, and they were at a much lower price than they are now, and there was not a single. I was I didn't even think about the fact that they could would cancel. You didn't it have ever. to worry about it. I didn't have to card Kingdom would never yeah. do it.
2: Man, you did that. You are so smart. I did not do that. Yeah, they are expensive now. It's a great card. <laughs> this is a sweet card. Um, all right, now it's time for the end step where we mm-hmm. talk about something cool outside the world
1: of magic. Did you write this one down or is this from an old Insta? No, I wrote this one down. Really? Yeah. I've been talking about this book. I know, that's why. I wanted to talk about it. Because did you read it? I did, but I read it. Really fascinating. <clears throat> so
2: you and Andrew yeah. were both talking about it the other day and, you know, I'm a book reader so I wrote it down and then I went on this trip and I had some time so I downloaded it and I read it. It's called Sapiens. It's by Yuval Noah. It is... You want to s- understand the world better? Yeah, it's a look at sort of the history of humanity, but it's not like, it's not like a historical book. It's more yeah. like anthropology, right? So it's more about the movements of people and the changes in thought processes and Why does gossip dominate our conversations? Like, yeah, really a lot of looks things. at. Yeah, one of the things I found the most fascinating about the book was the idea of imagined reality and how yes. humans are the only animal that sort of creates imaginary things and by imaginary things. And it was really interesting in the book. He brings up like corporate entities and nations, you know, and one of that was one of my favorite parts of the entire book or the command zone. Like the command zone is in in, by that. I mean, the podcast or game nights, maybe to be less confusing game nights is an imagined thing, right? Because it is not some like, what is game nights? Is it Jimmy? No. Is it Josh? No. Is it this room? No, no. What is it? Like, what would it take to go away? Yeah. But, it, and yet it exists. We all agree that it's a thing that exists. But mm-hmm. what constitutes what it is? It's something we created from nothing. It's an imagined thing. And if you could say that for, you know, Apple, you yeah. could say that for, you know, the United States of America. Really, really fascinating book. Um,
1: I, I just loved it. Yeah. Uh, I will say if you are someone that believes in creationism, you will not like this book. I, I listen, because I, I it's, it's very much like here's where humans came from. It, it, <laughs> it definitely where. leans into the evolutionary thing, and I
2: know, I know that's not for everybody. But at the same time, there is leeway from a lot of those people that Joe. there are ways to sort of yeah.
1: believe in both, depending on the timeline that you believe in. I think I, the I basic, that, the the more important stuff that they talk about, which is like humans and our propensity to gossip, is is like. You know, like the ideas of how humanity works, the anthropological aspects of it are what make it really fascinating. Um, in the same way that after watching The Wire, I felt like I understood why police systems work, and police yeah. work and how government works a little better. After reading something like sapiens I actually listened to it on audiobook. I was like, wow, this, a lot of this makes a lot more sense about, and also things are more confusing now. Yeah, it's like, so
2: true because when, yeah. Like what really
1: does hold a country together? <laughs> like some documents? A border patrol, like it's like a whole bunch of things, right? Yeah. And that's
2: kind of the point of the book too, which is like it's not so simple as saying it's this thing. It's a it's a framework of a lot of things. Yeah. And super interesting, highly recommended. Again, it's called *Sapiens* uh, by Yuval Noah. It's it was I think recommended by not a lot of people. Like I think Obama was a person that recommended it at one yeah. point. So I think
1: we, actually Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, both are people that have read it and recommended it as well. Yeah, so. And I think it was like, it's like on the top 10 most read books on Amazon or whatever. So pretty smart people.
2: Anyway, highly, highly recommend something else i would highly recommend is our sister podcast the masters of modern alex kessler and ben bateman they talk whoop. about the modern format and all things competitive magic they also occasionally talk about commander now which is pretty cool yeah you can find them right next to us at collective company or on
1: twitter at the mm cast and of course special thanks to our editor for the show terry robertson who's making his way to los angeles very soon very excited to have him in-house and uh, working hopefully on a lot more stuff to pump out more awesome products for you guys he makes the video version that you're watching right now or you're listening to and the audio version he will make this one from la he's been working from indiana oh, that's, right. that's right for about a um, almost a year now yeah
2: but this one he's making from
1: la yeah so and so you can watch that at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast and also of course jeffrey palmer big thanks for doing all of the living card animations on those videos as well as the game night's backgrounds and of course Balam Nahara Najera for this background behind us right now which is really really awesome we hope to change you that by the way if you have suggestions of what backgrounds we should use we'll 100% take those into account and be like cool someone wanted to see uh, Ixalan someone wanted to see Euphorexia yeah
2: if you have a cool image you think would work for an animation for the background absolutely you can email that to us commandzonecast at gmail.com or just put it in the comments or tweet at us Uh, Facebook works as well so yeah all right that's it. That's all. Stay
1: annoyed. Stay. <laughs> don't be stop annoyed playing playing at magic. the
2: card. Don't be annoyed at the person. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. All right,
1: everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Peace.
2: I-, I almost did Shaka, and then I did.
1: I threw the Shaka at someone, and they didn't know what it was. They didn't know it? Yeah, and it was funny because the person was like, ven- they were a vendor at, a, th- at like a like a giveaway thing, and they ha- were doing like Hawaiian lifestyle stuff. I was like, yo, Shaka brah. And they're like, hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can't
2: <laughs> if you're gonna do the hawaiian thing you gotta know you what gotta this know is. what this is yeah i'm talking about I, I didn't
1: even know what it was until you told me and i was like i was like oh sweet now i get the inside info on this and i was like trying to talk to the person but they didn't get it so it's kind of a hawaiian saying like when in doubt throw up the shaka really nice the person i think was just from the bay area so i was like okay you're just mimicking the lifestyle then aren't you you're forgiven hawaii's cool hawaii is cool They're, they'll chill they'll <laughs> chill about it <laughs>
0: Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at jfwang and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator.
1: Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs>